0: What makes a great leader? In the podcast series, 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, I explore this topic with Richard Lummis. We take a look at examples from history, from business, from current events, and even from the movies. If you're interested in all in business leadership, whether you're a CEO or whether you're a middle manager, this is the podcast series for you. We take a look at presidents and everyone in between. I hope you will check us out. 12 o'clock high. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. In today's topic, we get very geeky going deeply into the weeds on two questions that uh, have bedeviled Matt over the past several weeks regarding the issue of Why do companies lack the skilled workforce to implement compliance solutions? Uh, So that's question one. And then question two is, how tight is the market for skilled compliance talent right now? Uh, We take a look at it from the numbers provided by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and we take a look at it by issues and then consider the explosion of growth in the compliance profession what it means literally from the data processed analyst and compliance all the way up to the chief compliance officer. I know you will find it interesting and useful going forward. Compliance into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist and the Voice of Compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another episode of Compliance into the Weeds. And while we say we geek out and go into the weeds, boy, do we have one for you today. Matt got interested for reasons known only to himself about the size of the compliance workforce and put up just a really interesting post. So, Matt, first of all, uh,
1: welcome. Hello, Tom.
0: So, Matt, what... um, how did you make the intellectual linkage from the new FASB accounting standards for leases to scoping the size of the compliance workforce?
1: Well, I will tell you these reasons that were first known only to myself. I will make them known now to all of our listeners. Um, So yeah, a few weeks ago, I was writing about and talking about this new accounting standard for leases, which went into effect for public companies in January. And it was supposed to go into effect for private companies next January in 2020, and the Financial Accounting Standards Board very recently decided we're going to give private companies an extra year on that standard. We're going to give them some more time on some other standards. And if you really think about why is FASB giving all this extra time, because the implementation of leasing, of credit losses, of the revenue recognition standard, which has already gone into effect for public and private companies alike. A whole bunch of new standards and implementation has been a mess. Well, why has it been a mess? And many people will say that the chief obstacle here is a lack of really skilled talent to be able to manage these implementations whether that is you in a corporate accounting function or you in an audit firm selling your advisory services or you as a technology expert working for a vendor trying to help clients with all of this, none of this is easy because we don't have enough people who really know how to do it. And so I started to think about, well, is this symptomatic of a broader issue for compliance generally? Um, And I would say that it is, because all of these FASB delays came at roughly the same time as a story that streaked across the news last week about Capital One, which suffered that gigantic data breach in, I think, the end of July. Um, And the Wall Street Journal had an article looking at how did Capital One, which has a very ample cybersecurity budget, certainly one of the largest around because it's a huge bank, Um, they've got a very good reputation for an aggressive cybersecurity group, Why did they also suffer such a big breach? Um, Well, according to the journal, a big part of it was uh, staffing turnover, um, staffing inconsistencies that have led to a slipshod cybersecurity compliance effort. Well, okay, so now we have workforce issues in two different facets of corporate compliance. Um, There are many others. There are critical accounting matters, which are coming out in audit reports starting right around now, Um, There are all sorts of, in ethics and compliance personally, specifically, all sorts of efforts to um, digitalize corporate compliance, um, to have interactive codes of conduct, to streamline your whistleblower programs or integrate them with internal case management software, third-party due diligence, automation, blah, blah, blah. All of these projects sound great. We need people to do them and we don't have enough, and I keep on hearing that. So I decided to get into the statistics and say, well, how many people are there, or what's the unemployment rate? What is the employment rate in various places? And so I went to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and I, like you said, Tom, I I geeked out on what some of those numbers are telling us. And I can get into that, but that's how I got to decide, let's do this.
0: So I guess, Matt, what I'm struggling with is um, last year in 2018 – or perhaps even December 2017, we had a much more, I think, all-encompassing change in accounting standards, and that was the revenue recognition rule. Uh, you and I devoted a five-part podcast series to that. Um, we did. We were both very interested in that and wrote extensively about it, yet uh, I don't recall there being an extension on uh, implementation of that rule. Um, in terms of... Uh, Capital One and their data breach, uh, I've heard uh, with data breaches, it's simply not if, but when. What I'm struggling with is connecting a uh, tightness of a job market with uh, advances in uh, not only the hacker community, but accounting standards that require people to to learn new things. Uh, But it seemed to me the RevRec rule was much more encompassing. Than uh, the uh, new standards for leases, yet no one uh, was able to get that implementation delayed?
1: Uh, well, first, specific to corporate accounting issues, uh, the leasing, the revenue recognition standard had, did have a longer lead time from when it was first adopted to its implementation. It had a little bit more time than leasing. And second, uh, the revenue recognition standard was the first. And then came leases, and then comes uh, credit losses, which in theory were going to come next year. Now there's another two years for private companies. Um, But I don't know that people fully grasped at the start that there would be this steady barrage of big, huge corporate accounting changes that are not just changes in what the numbers are supposed to be and what you're supposed to report, but they are very broad changes in how you're supposed to manage your business processes to figure out what the number is. And that's what all of these accounting changes are. And I would then say that you see a similar dynamic in cybersecurity, and you see it in corporate compliance and ethics issues, that it's not so much what is the final product that you're supposed to give an investor or a hacker, which is basically a digital version of the middle finger, you can't get in. Um, or for corporate compliance, what are you supposed to give the Justice Department? We're changing what this is, so it's not really a final product. Corporate compliance and effective program is much more about building better systems that govern the issues and reduce the risk from start to finish, whether that's a financial reporting risk or a cybersecurity risk or a ethics and compliance and regulatory risk. It's more about how well we govern ourselves to reduce that risk, which is very different than saying we need, we need to give them a different number and a different line item in the balance sheet, or we need to give them a different set of training materials to show the Justice Department to leave us alone. That was the old style, and we're into this new realm of very different skills that then suddenly you start to think, well, what does our workforce look like for that? And I, I, I don't know that our workforce looks all that good from a how-do-we-get-the-job-done perspective.
0: So, I can certainly buy that part, but what uh, now I'm disconnected with, at least uh, intellectually dislinked, is the numbers uh, that you were able to pull up from the BLS statistics um, from uh, what uh, I would never call Boston a secretary city, but since you have, we'll stick with that, and several other secondary cities, including, of course, Dallas. Um, But the numbers there in terms of not only salaries, number of people in the compliance profession, Uh, And uh, really, both compliance and accounting and auditors. That doesn't seem to take into account what you just raised, which was compliance, auditing, and other corporate functions are, are being tasked with building better systems to govern ourselves to manage new and evolving risks.
1: Yes, I would actually agree with you. And so, for those of you listening, what I did was I went to the Bureau of Labor Statistics and I investigated what are the employment data that the BLS has for compliance officers and accounting and auditing professions, um, and what could we find. And frankly, what we can find, I don't know how representative it is or how useful it is for a lot of what we just talked about, which at some point we need to translate into actual human beings on payroll or in a contract that we get ahead of it. Um, So the BLS, for example, the numbers are outdated. The most recent I could find are from May of 2018, so that's, what, 15 months ago. Um, They do have a definition for compliance officers, and it kind of sort of seems at a definitional sense to fit. It is those people who um, examine and investigate uh, conformity with laws and regulations, governing contract compliance for licenses and permits, other compliance issues, Okay, compliance officers do do that, but they do much more, and that's not in this definition. But what this definition says, if you then search for it, I looked at ten secondary cities. So not New York, not L.A. or San Francisco or Houston or Chicago, because they're very large. I said, you know, what's the rest of the country look like? Um, And they do give you a mean salary. They do give you the employment numbers, how many thousands of people, how many jobs per 1,000? And if you want to go to my post, you can read it, but I, the numbers don't feel right to me. I will give you an example. Um, according to the BLS, there are roughly three times as many compliance professionals in Boston as Charlotte, and we make roughly, what is that, about $10,000 more than people in Charlotte. No, I'm sorry, $20,000 more. Well... I don't buy that because Charlotte is a gigantic banking hub and banks have compliance staff, you know, battalions of them. And we don't have that here in Boston. Um, We have a lot of higher ed. We have a lot of hedge funds. We we might have a compliance department of one. Uh, We have a lot of biotech. But I don't believe those numbers. They don't feel right to me. And then, Tom, you know, when you start to dig into what other categories does the BLS track, There's a whole other separate category for training and development specialists. Well, that's a lot of what compliance officers do, but a training and development specialist in the BLS could be somebody training you on something that has nothing to do with compliance. But if you've got a lot of compliance trainers on your staff, I don't necessarily know that that person or those people would be captured in BLS statistics. So we wind up actually with Not a very good sense of how many compliance officers are out there. Um, Broadly speaking, across the whole nation, according to the BLS, 15 months ago, there were roughly 300,000. I don't know that that's right. Uh, It doesn't count self-employed people. So, Tom, you would not be a compliance professional, according to the BLS. You wouldn't show up here. Um, It doesn't count lawyers in law firms. But nonetheless, I think a lot of them would say they are compliance professionals, they go back and forth between the corporate and the big firm and the regulatory world all the time. They're not captured in these statistics. So I dug into it. I think it's fascinating, and yet I think the bigger fascinating point is we don't know how accurate this is. It seems like an outdated way to track employment and workforce development given what we were just talking about four or five minutes ago, Tom.
0: It almost seems like we're looking at, Uh, statistics for, or at least a definition for a compliance officer in the healthcare industry in 1998?
1: Kind of. I wouldn't be surprised if that accounts for a lot of it in some of these numbers.
0: Matt, were you able to come up with, or determine, uh, or find anything, rather, which really tracked uh, a broader or more expansive, if not definition, a role for a compliance officer uh, in terms of numbers hired or the expansion of the profession?
1: Well, the closest approximation I think we could have is there is a more general category of um, management, business, and financial operations occupations. So that would also include somebody like the CFO um, or the chief operating officer. Well, do they help with compliance? Yes. Are they compliance professionals? No. But are they in a category with most other compliance professionals in this broad way that we think about it? Yes, and there is that category. So here's what I found, is that from the year 2000 until now, and we do get much more recent data if we look at it this way, management, business, financial operation, occupations, um, the total employment has gone from roughly, I would say about 19,200 in 2000 to not quite 27,000 right now. I think July 2019 is the most recent stats we have, maybe June of 2019. Um, so that's a big increase of about 40%. It's nowhere near the 300,000 I just said two minutes ago when we talked about compliance officer in that very dry, categorized, outdated way. Um, the other thing to look at is unemployment among management, business, and financial operations occupations. Um, and that is interesting because unemployment there, no big surprise, is generally much lower than the average unemployment rate it has fluctuated between 2 to 3% all through the 2000s until the financial crisis when it went from roughly 2 to i think about 5.7% shortly after the crisis officially ended but like mid 2010 was the high water mark for unemployment 5.7% these days unemployment for this field is also now down it's it's below 2 um if you want to track it by college-educated people, uh, that has been that has hit 5% twice in the last 10 years, and it has been below 3% since 2014. Um, so that's another barometer to say unemployment generally is very low for compliance officers. But, you know, for what we do, and everybody listening, you know that we have a good sense of what we do, even if it's not a precise definition. Like, there's not a precise way to track exactly how many of us there are, what our unemployment rate is, what our salary is. Uh, there are many different sources. Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics has a salary survey. Institute of Internal Auditors has one for auditors. Robert Half, the placement agency, they've got their own data and survey. Which one is right? Which one is wrong? We, like, we don't really know. We can say it's low. You're in a pretty good line of work if you're in this line of work, but we don't really know quite how big this field is.
0: Those are pretty stunning numbers in terms of the uh, actual uh, number of people who are, are employed. Any thoughts on what that number might move to if we move into a Trump recession?
1: Yes, I do. And uh, so this is uh, the bonus material. I did not get this into my post about all of it, but I had some thoughts here too. Um, I think that there are two somewhat counterintuitive points that compliance professionals should understand about all this if a recession arrives. Um, broadly speaking, in fields with very low unemployment and in uncertain economic times, then those fields are especially sensitive to changes in employment. So that means actually for compliance professionals who are unemployed right now, even minor changes in overall employment for this field, that can have like a really dramatic effect on your job search. So let me give you an example of what I mean. Um, Think of it this way. If we say the unemployment rate for compliance professionals is 98 percent, for every 100 compliance officers, 98 of them have jobs. For the field overall, awesome. That's great. But it also means that we have two compliance officers who cannot find work right now. The unemployment rate is people who are looking for work and cannot find it. So we have two people who are looking for compliance work and can't find a job. Now, let's say recession starts to bite, and the unemployment rate that we had, 98%, has dropped to 97%. So that's still really good for the whole profession. Almost everybody is still going to be employed. And basically, if you are one of the 98 You have about a one percent chance of becoming the one officer who loses his or her job as we go from ninety-eight to ninety-seven percent employment for the profession overall. But remember our two unfortunate unemployed compliance officers right now. They have a very different experience here. For them, the number of unemployed has gone from two to three people. That's an increase of one third. Or for each unemployed compliance officer, if you're looking for a job, you've gone from having one other rival to two other rivals. You've, you know, your your competition has doubled. So my point is that in labor markets like compliance, even very minor downturns can have a very difficult effect for people if you are one of the unfortunate who don't have work. Um, That's not to say that, you know, it would be great if unemployment were at 15 percent, goes up to 16, then, hey, who cares? That's not what I mean at all. But the marginal rate of change, which is what that is as you go from 98 to 97, or you go from 2 to 3, that marginal change, that's really big for the first two, as now there's a third. And then also remember, from the HR perspective, if employment is precarious at this moment— you, the HR director, you've got yet another incentive to postpone hiring because why wouldn't you? If you just ride this out and the employment rate goes from 98 to 97%, um, you suddenly have a lot more potential job applicants out there who are looking for work, and you have the upper hand. You used to have only two resumes you could pick from, and now you've got three, and that's great. And maybe that none of the three work, and you're still going to have to hire a recruiter and pay more money to woo away one of the people who do have a job and all of this stuff. But, broadly speaking, if the unemployment picture ticks up just a tiny bit because it is so small overall... For HR departments, you'd be like, oh, yeah, man, we're just going to stall for another quarter. We're going to hire this out as a contract labor for a position for another three months, see what happens. Maybe we'll have three more resumes, and that will be the great guy or or woman that uh, does the job for us. And I have heard that experience from compliance officers in this field today, this year, who have been looking for work. Why does that kind of thing happen? This is one of those reasons why. And that's... That's one thing to think about if recession comes to strike. It's still going to be a very good field for most of us, but for the unfortunate few who are in between work, like, it, it'll get really painful. So, I mean, overall, we could say that, yes, the corporate compliance profession is great. Um, if you are employed in it, you generally are going to have a job. Um, it's going to be probably a very challenging job and a good and well-paying job exactly how much like we don't know because the data aren't precise enough to give us a good sense in the way that compliance professionals would define our own job sense or job and profession we don't quite have the data to help us understand how big is this profession and what is the employment picture but the only other caveat we have to remember is that because em- unemployment in this field is so small if recession hits, even a minor uptick in unemployment is still going to hit that tiny number of unemployed people in a disproportionate way. It would be very painful for the unfortunate few who are unemployed. Uh, A recession would be very painful for them, and for the rest of us, we're probably still going to be gainfully employed, we'll probably still have a good and stable career, but it would certainly be unnerving because you don't want to fall into that group that goes from one percent to two percent unemployed you know that's for most of us that's nothing for the one to two percent your unemployment competition that just doubled and and that's going to be a thing to think about and a thing to watch out for
0: okay well this has been a fascinating exploration matt i'll be interested to see when you get to part two all right thank you tom Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Again, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Compliance into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. we we'll link to Matt's article, or rather his blog post in the show notes. Compliance into the Weeds is a weekly production of the Compliance Podcast Network. So I hope you'll join us again next week where Matt and I take up another topic, which tickles our fancy that we go into the weeds on. Compliance into the Weeds is a proud member of C-Suite Radio.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.